Hello, hello. I am Karen Jean-François, and this is the Women in Data podcast, a podcast where every other week I interview some of the most inspiring women working in data. They discuss how data is used in various industries, share their knowledge and experience in the field, and equip you with tips to help you overcome challenges on your career and feel great. Let's get straight to it. I am joined today by Bianca Pal, data scientist at Vodafone, and Cecilia Oliveira, data analyst at Uniquest. If you're looking to start a career in data science or data analytics, this episode is for you. I believe it will also help hiring managers to put themselves in the shoes of candidates that are new to the field. In this conversation, you will hear about Bianca and Cecilia's journey towards a career in data. While Bianca joined the graduate scheme, Cecilia did a career pivot, having spent over 10 years in sales and hospitality. They share the challenges they encountered, but also their top tips for a successful transition. Hi, Bianca. Hi, Cecilia. Welcome on the Women in Data podcast. It's a pleasure to have you with me today. Thanks for having us. It's uh, such uh, an interesting topic we are touching on today, and I cannot believe we didn't run on an episode on that before, but we are here to talk about how you started your your journey and your career in data, and I'm hoping that this is going to be useful for so many who are trying to transition into the career in data or even trying to start straight out of university. Before we get into the topic, can I invite you to introduce yourself? Should we start with Bianca? Thanks, Karen. First of all, thanks for having me. Hi, everyone. My name is Bianca Pal. I'm a, I work as a data scientist at Vodafone. So in my team, we work within a department that's sort of nested within operations and infrastructure. So we handle the data that's related to the company's internal infrastructure And there's a lot of data there and we process that and we look for database solutions to the problems that we have had in the past. So I did a little bit of a pivot going into data. So my background is in biology. Uh, I did a biology degree at uh, Oxford and I first got interested in data through having a, a project that involved a bit of bioinformatics. And because I really enjoyed that, And I also, at the same time, was not sure about doing a PhD. I instead went into a graduate scheme with Vodafone. And it was through the graduate scheme I ended up in the placement of the team that I currently work in. Yeah, I guess you definitely don't want to go do a PhD if you're not sure that this is the way you, <laughs> you want to go. Exactly. It's a really long commitment. <laughs> I thought I should explore what's out there at first. How about you, Cecilia? Hi, everyone. I'm Cecilia. I'm a data analyst at Uniquest, and we are a student engagement service for higher education institutions. So it's basically about improving student conversion and retention in the UK and in the US. And I've been in the company since March 21. I definitely don't come from anything mathematical, scientific. I've done all of my career until last year in hospitality, most specifically in sales. So yeah, I've been building a career of 12 years, which is more than I thought in the long-term accommodation <laughs> market. And it came to a point where 
the next step in my career wasn't that interesting. So I started doing a little introduction courses on coding, which I thought was fun. And then with, unfortunately, the pandemic, it kind of pushed me to see what else was there. It kind of felt like it was the perfect storm for me to change careers. So that's when I started really looking into data and being a bit more serious about it. Yeah, you're saying, unfortunately, with the pandemic, but although I guess it was a stressful time for you, you definitely made the the best of it. Well, I certainly tried. <laughs> and uh, yeah, no, it wasn't easy. I mean, now I'm talking about it uh, two years along and, you know, I feel like I passed the, the most difficult part, but whilst it was happening, it was just, it was all very overwhelming. <laughs> mm, I bet it was. And I love the fact that you actually spent 12 years in hospitality and sales, and then you decided, okay, I want to do something else with my career. So you pivoted. There, there are studies that show that in a lifetime, so people from our generation will probably have around five to six different careers in a lifetime so you just had your first one started your second one how exciting is that looking forward to the four next ones (laughs) (laughs) hopefully hopefully the transitions won't be as stressful (laughs) hopefully (laughs) but (laughs) so early March I released an episode with Robin Sutara from Microsoft and that was episode 54 if I remember well and in that episode she was talking about the fact that, you know, in data careers, we will need people coming from other backgrounds and we need to be more open to people with different skill sets and to see what, well, not to see, but to be able to use their skills and I, I guess have better performing data teams. And you two definitely come from different backgrounds, having done something different and then moving into the technical side of the role. So I guess what I would like to get from you today is really, we've understood what made you change career path, but really understand maybe your approach to this transition. Maybe talk a bit about what your previous experience brought to the table as well, so we can all all learn from that. So Cecilia, so you mentioned some coding course that was fun, (laughs) but I guess this is not what made you actually transition into data, but how did you do it? You know, it was definitely not just the little courses that I did, but <laughs> I needed to start from somewhere, right? And I, I wanted to do something a little bit more technical, I guess, that was not just on the soft skills, because it is very soft skill oriented when you're in hospitality. So I wanted to have something a bit more crunchy, let's say, <laughs> to go for. So I started doing those, you know, like you can find quite a few free courses to see what it was about, what coding was about. And again, you can do so many things with coding. So it was all very overwhelming. So after doing a few of them, I said, I realized that I actually quite like the data visualization of things. So just having something that explains the progression of anything, I thought it was captivating. I could spend hours uh, looking at it. Uh, so <laughs> so I did a week-long data analytics course, and I thought it was good, but just really not enough. It wasn't enough for me to change careers, to say, right, I've done this. I then decided to go in this crazy path and really get my hands dirty in a three-month uh, data science boot camp at GA, General Assembly. And that's when I really changed my career. That's really what triggered it. 
So you went with General Assembly. What did you feel like were the benefits from, from these goals? I think the benefit from it is that it's very structured. You have to be there from nine to five every day. You have projects to deliver. You also have a team that will help you in the outcome. So after you finish the course, that will help you with your CV, with interviews. With So I think that part was very structured and it was very helpful when you don't know where to go. And like me, I mean, I was coming from something completely different. I had no background, no experience, no network, no nothing. So I was just, oh, someone to hold my hand. That's great. (laughs) (laughs) But trust me, even if you had a bit of background, there is just so much to learn in the field. So I remember mentoring a young woman a a few months back and she was telling me, I've been learning this and she was doing all the, the online learning and she was saying, I've been learning this. And then I feel like it's only a tiny drop of what knowledge I need to have. So the feeling she had was that she was learning and learning and learning and was never going to feel ready to apply for the job. So I guess with the structure that you had, and then you know it's a course that is recognized and other people have gone through it. Uh, at least it helps you flush out all, all the knowledge that is great to have, but might not be useful straight away. Absolutely. And it is. And I see now things that I've seen at the course one year along in my job. I go, oh, yeah, I remember we did that. Um, <laughs> so, you know, so you can build up from there. So I think it's a great base. It's not everything, but it's, it's a great way in. Bianca, you mentioned going through a graduate scheme. How did you come across that and what made you decide to go down that route? So in terms of giving advice to people, I do need to have a disclaimer that my transition was not fully deliberate. So I think after finishing my project and finishing my course, graduated university in 2018, I knew I didn't want to do a PhD. I knew I wanted to explore a little bit what was out there. And I knew that I was interested in data and wanted to find out more about whether this would actually suit me as a, as a profession. But I didn't have enough experience to know if it was really for me. So I was in a position where I was kind of open to anything, any sort of opportunity that felt right. So I started looking for roles and the um, the graduate scheme came up and there was an element of data on the scheme. So I went for it. But the part where I mean it wasn't fully deliberate is that there were many more graduates and many more roles than those that were actually focused on data. So the first two rotations were randomly assigned. So my first year in the grad scheme was not very technical. The third one was application-based. So I applied to data positions primarily. And I got my top choice, which is the role I am in now. And that one was data-oriented. And it also had the added benefit of the team was starting out not much earlier than us graduates joined the team. So our team had a sort of direction from management to start making better use of the data that we have in our systems and in our infrastructure and try and build ways of solving incidents for non-operations people. Incident is uh, anything that goes wrong in the system. So trying to look at how incidents happened in the past and then try and build better ways of solving them in the future using data. So that was the general direction. But at the time, the existing members of the team were trying to figure out how to make that happen. And we joined 
pretty much at that part of the process. I got very lucky in that sense that not only did I get the data role that I was looking for from the whole grad scheme, but also there was a bit of a co-evolution between the team and us, the graduates, being sort of maturing together. So we had a lot of freedom in, in being able to try things and being tasked with the key things of, of building the, the data-related solutions. So we, we got given a lot of creative freedom, despite having not much experience in, in data at all. So it was very lucky in that sense. It was semi-deliberate in that I knew the rough direction I wanted to go in, but I didn't have specifics in how I wanted to get there. And I wasn't in, even certain that that data was for me. Part of the reason why I wanted a rotation in data was that I would be able to test the hypothesis of, is data really good for me? And if it isn't, well, I've finished the grad scheme and now I can move on to something else if I don't like it. But I did, so I, I stayed within that role. Yeah, and also because definitely you're doing the grad scheme, even if you didn't want to stay in data, you would have had some industry knowledge and work experience that you could then go and apply somewhere else. But don't okay. worry, Bianca, I mean, I got in data probably even more randomly than you. <laughs> uh, so, so my going into data was, I wanted to be a math teacher. And then somewhere towards the end of my bachelor's degree, I decided I don't want to be a math teacher anymore. And I went in a panic mode being, but what do I do now? And the the main lecturer of my university said, but Karen, you're good with statistics and probability. Go to this master. And it was a master's in data science. Well, it wasn't called data science at the time, but that was my introduction to data. You knew about it before going there. I had no clue. <laughs> <laughs> I think it would be quite interesting to see if, if sort of data related education is going to catch up with industry demand so that there will be more direct paths into data. But at the same time, I would sort of guess that the randomness, the many routes leading to a data-related yeah, job this is a, are going to remain. This is a whole debate on, on its own, and I have a very strong opinion on it, so don't get me started on that. But I, I feel like, yes, they are. They, they are shifting a bit, but I do believe formal education is always going to be a bit behind because they're not close enough to what's happening to industry, which is why all these external courses are, are so valuable and, and so thought after at the moment. But who knows? Universities might, might change. I, I know that Bath University is doing quite a lot around masters in data analytics and business analytics and, and all these kind of things. There is also the university, what is it called? Teesside University in the north that's doing a lot also working with industries. So they're bringing in projects from industry to to help their students have hands-on experience and, and all these kind of things. So the people in academia have acknowledged the need of upgrading, not upgrading, but adapting their the education to what's out there, but we, we will see. This is an exciting topic. Let, let's not deviate. <laughs> we can make another episode out of this. <laughs> yes. Yes. So these are two ways of getting in. So Cecilia, you've done several online courses, but also a more structured course with General Assembly Bianca. You you chose the path of the um, graduate scheme. 
But I, I want to know challenges that you've encountered when you started looking for a job and, and how you did that. Bianca, do you want to go first? When you were getting recruited for that scheme, how did that work? I had a, a bit of a lucky opportunity and I went to sort of went for it. So I actually delayed applying for jobs until I was finished with my degree because I found it to be very demanding and I just couldn't handle the dual pressure. So I thought I'll find a job when I'm when I'm graduated. And I basically just had a, a recruiter email about an event that uh, Vodafone were doing. It was a, a women in tech event that was also together with an interview for the grad scheme. So I, I applied for the event and then went to the event, did the interview. And then after that, they sent some tests to complete. And then after that, I got a call that I got a place on the, on the graduate scheme. So it, it went fairly fast and I didn't have to search for it explicitly. It sort of just found me through sort of university recruitment uh, newsletters. Okay. Uh, so it was lucky in that sense. I had more of a, an application for the actual placement for the final one. That one was also through an interview because that was already internal. We had a list of managers, a list of roles, and then we approached the managers, set up an interview, and then they would, both the managers and the graduates would sort of rank which role or which applicant they wanted in their top five. And then it would be sort of matched based on both of those preferences. How did you find the test? Because you mentioned uh, a few tests you had to do. There was one with abstract reasoning and there was one with behavioral questions. The behavioral questions were quite easy, I think. They're usually based on common sense. And with the abstract reasoning ones, I practiced one that I found incredibly difficult just a few weeks before, just as general practice to prepare myself from having to do many of them in the future. And I ended up being very discouraging because I, I felt like I didn't do very well on them at all. And then I got the one from Vodafone and it, it felt a lot more intuitive than the one I'd done before. So I think that just gave me a lot more confidence and made me calm to, to get, get through it. But no coding exercise? or No, there wasn't actually a coding interview. Also, most of the placements on the scheme were not that technical. Some, some of them were, some of them weren't. The, the graduates that joined, there were three of us and later four of us. We all came from maths or natural sciences background, but none of us had much coding experience. So our team understood that. And uh, they actually spent a few months sort of parallel training and working on things at the same time. So I think they, they had this great foresight to set aside some time for training, which would give us, similar to what Cecilia mentioned, just a a more more structured introduction into techniques that are there are out there libraries that we can use and we didn't obviously learn everything and remember them and just did it by heart but just knowing that it's out there and you can google it is helpful and just spending those couple of months in the beginning alternating between training and doing work made us actually a lot faster and a lot more efficient further down the line so it's a great insight from the team. That's really great. Uh, I'm really grateful to all these graduate schemes out there uh, supporting students into getting into the industry because I, I do believe this is a, a great way to, to do it. I remember 
looking for my first job outside of university. It, uh, it was proper panic. And until now, all these tests, so you mentioned the abstract test and all these things, so numerical reasoning test and abstract test and all these things, they give me anxiety <laughs> even after having spent so many years in the, in the industry. What about you, Cecilia? How, how did your recruitment process work? Well, I have to say, I understand the stressful experiences when you have to do tests for positions, definitely. So I finished the course, it was December 2020. So I decided to not do anything for the month of December, then started looking for a position from January, because, well, let's be honest, nothing happens in December. (laughs) So between January and March, I would have to dig in into my notes, but I think I did about 10 technical challenges for positions. Plus all of the interviews, even if I wasn't getting paid for it, it wasn't really a position. I was working really hard and it was challenging because sometimes they don't really give you a feedback on what you Mm. did wrong or not. But it was definitely good for me as an experience because you do grow from each task you make. You do learn something new, even if sometimes people on the other side are not telling you exactly what you did wrong. But you learn and then you search and Google is your friend in those cases. So it was definitely a good experience at the end. And funnily enough, as you were saying, Bianca, the test I did, for instance, for Uniquest made sense to me. It was, was I'm not going to say it was easy, but it wasn't impossible. It, it just all fell into place. And I was quite happy when it all worked out. But yeah, I think... That was one of the challenges. I think the other one was also because I was quite senior where I was coming from in a completely different industry. So I did have to get a pay cut because I am going into a complete new market with no experience whatsoever, which I was prepared. But, you know, it's never it's never as great as you would like. Yeah, and I, I bet, you know, there are all these things where you knew you wanted to go into that field, but having this pay cut must have been very hard. And I, I don't know, how did you feel in terms of your, your self-worth and, and all these things? Did it have an impact? Did you have to have some work on yourself? I was definitely on the higher end of of the salary bracket. So I was actually quite happy with that. But I also know that within our field, you do grow very fast. And there is a possibility also of increasing that in a relatively shorter period of time. Because I mean, I was senior in what I was doing before after 12 years. I do believe that after three to five years, I will be in a quite similar position, financially, I mean, than I was before. So I'm not that concerned. And you're right, because the market is absolutely crazy at the moment. So if you see the the salaries out there, so I remember when I, I started just, just over 10 years ago, shouldn't be saying that, <laughs> how I started and when I see where people are starting now. And even if you hire someone today, Next year, you you can never hire someone on a similar salary. It's really crazy how the demand is is changing and how fast salaries are changing in our field. So, I, I think definitely, yeah, the the pay cut is it's a tough one to accept at the beginning, but once you you know how you're going to progress and and you do what what's needed for that, it, it doesn't become a problem down down the line, I guess. So you you did say that you were quite senior in your industry before. 
when moving into data. And I guess when you moved into data, you moved into a more junior position. How did that work recruitment-wise? Did you have any uncomfortable conversations during your interviews around that or where people were quite accommodating and understanding? I didn't really have any any difficult conversations about it. I think that as long as you put all the cards on the table and explain, right, this is what I did for this many years and I've decided that this is no longer what I want to do. However, I'm training to do this, other completely different thing. And you still get all of my soft skills and all of my learnings from my previous career implemented into this. People actually get pretty excited. So I guess it's maybe it's also my hospitality side coming out <laughs> and, and being able to sell myself. <laughs> so I think that actually I know that, for example, in the company I'm working right now, they were appreciative of that. And I think that's probably what made them decide that I was the good fit for, for the position. Yeah, especially when you're in a commercially focused data analytics or data scientist role, these sales skills that that you've um, acquired over the years are so important because how many of us are really working very hard to try to, <laughs> to get that and to be able to talk with more commercial teams and address business problems. What I wanted to do is maybe if you could give us your top tips that you would like to give to either people who want to start in the field or or to hiring managers? The top three tips I would give for people who are looking to work in data is, first of all, you don't need to know everything, nor do you need a computer science, math, statistics, or data science degree to work in data, but you do need to be willing to learn concepts from these fields. So I think this is the, this is the key difference. Because of how interdisciplinary data science is, almost any background can bring something that is that is valuable. And also even the people who come from the tradition one of the traditional routes into data, if there's one, like computer science or maths, even they will have some gaps. The number of gaps will, will vary. But the, the key thing is that if you're working on a project and the project happens to run against one of the gaps you have, then you have to be willing to go and fill that gap when it arises. And I think that's how how learning on the job for data will happen. You will try and do a project and you realize that the best tool for that project requires a technique that you're not familiar with or a concept that you're not familiar with. And then you have to go away and learn that concept and then you come back and finish your project. And then it will happen over and over again with with any project that you, you end up working on. And also, I think... One of the key elements of of data is always domain expertise, just knowing the ins and outs of the business that you're applying your your skills to. And that can only ever be acquired through experience. So even if you have a lot of experience in the super, super technical side, like machine learning or or the data wrangling functions, this part will always take time when you start in a new place. Guess what I'm trying to say is don't be intimidated by the breadth and, and the depth of the field because it's something that everyone has to grapple with. You just take problems as they as they come to you. I've got another tip. It's also for beginners, but I think mostly for people who are kind of intermediate. When you're a beginner, there's so much to learn that you can just pick anything. It will just help you grow and develop. And there are a lot of trainings to help get you up and running from basically not knowing anything to being able to do an analytics project. But when you're, when you're not quite beginner, 
which is sort of where I feel like I am. I'm not quite beginner, but I have a lot of gaps. The field is huge. I'm starting to feel the need to bring in skills from neighboring domains like software engineering, just sort of building infrastructure around data analyses that we do. And it feels like a lot. What is a bit of a risk in this situation is getting stuff, I think is referred to as training purgatory, of just doing training after training after training after training and not really putting any of that into practice. Or if you're like a completionist like me, just having this feeling that you have to consume all of the things that are out there, which is limitless. Ideally, in the perfect order of increasing difficulty, it's not going to happen. So at this stage, you have to be sort of a bit more strategic about the skills that you want to develop or the techniques that you want to learn. Pick the skills and then for each skill, pick a project that you're going to work on. And through that, you're going to learn the skill. And that's the way to get yourself out from maybe a position where you feel like you're stagnating a little bit or you're not learning as much as you used to. Because now you know more and learning itself becomes a bit more difficult at this point. I think this is something that many of us we really relate to, especially oh, yeah. with the pace at which the field is moving. So definitely being strategic, but also very conscious about what skills that you want to have without focusing too much on what's out there and what other people are doing is, is very important. So you definitely need to pick the skills that, that work for you. What about you, Cecilia? What are your tips? I think what Bianca said was spot on. I think that's exactly it. That's how you need to perceive it. But I also think you need to be very patient with yourself and with the process. It takes time. It's not going to happen overnight. And you are in constant development. And sometimes, I mean, I know this happened to me whilst I was doing all the courses, especially during the boot camp, where I was putting so much pressure on myself. And then at some point I go, wait but why? I am the one who can control this, right? And we do it as much as we can. So, but you know, things fall into place at some point. As long as you are patient, as long as you're persistent also in this, because again, it's not going to come out of thin air. You do need to sit your butt on the chair and actually do trainings and exercises. And, you know, the only way for me to learn data science is to sit down and experience it and try it and make errors and Google the errors and find the solutions for it. And I think that's the best way to actually progress. And I think what is also important is that companies are willing to put in the time, for example, with you, Bianca, in training at the same time as you're doing your work. I think that's definitely crucial and it will make you, not only you grow, but also the company. And with you, being comfortable in a company that invests on you, you'll definitely be there for a while. And, you know, also in the recruitment process, I was very lucky to have found people that were willing to bet on me with no experience, and but a lot of willingness to learn. So I guess it's also about that. It's also about technical skills are great. Soft skills are also good. And if you manage to get a combination of the two of them, then you're golden. You can go anywhere. <laughs> Willingness to learn is definitely what I'm looking for most in, in a new hire, especially on at a junior level. Just to close the episode, is there anything that you listen to or watch or read that helps you in your career and personal development? Cecilia? 
Well, I do listen. Well, I listen to this podcast. <laughs> obviously, <laughs> I, there's another podcast that I quite like. Unfortunately, there's not as many episodes coming out regularly. Uh, it's called the Data Talk podcast. And then I also have a subscription for towards data science. It's worth it. And for I'm lucky, I have a company that is supporting me on training, so I'm also doing it through them. What about you, Bianca? Yeah, I was going to mention uh, Women in Data podcast as well. It's definitely been helpful, especially also if you're looking at data science itself, but also the the actual career side of things has been very helpful. And yeah, I also read a lot on towards data science. If I'm not mistaken, they also have a podcast. Uh, I haven't they had do. time to they listen do. to too many, but uh, it's definitely saved for me to go through it. And I think almost every bit of research I've ever done on a concept that I needed, either a concept or a model that I'm like, oh, I need to work with this, has started with me reading an article or a tutorial on towards data science. There's a similar one called KD Nuggets. Uh, they do lots of tutorials and articles. If you're working with Python a lot, which I do, Real Python is a is a is a good good site I like to visit. They have uh, tutorials, but they also have just specific articles on things i've used mostly mostly the articles and they've got a an, an email newsletter where they, they will email you with a random python tip or code snippet that you can use so i i get those in my inbox if i have time i, I like to go through them or have it read and i like to follow cassie kozirkov on twitter Everybody she, follows her on Twitter. I feel like I, I feel like I need to get on Twitter so I can start following her now. Yeah. Um, for those of you who don't know who she is, she's the chief decision scientist at Google, and she also has machine learning and analytics trainings on YouTube. She has a really good way of explaining things in a very intuitive way, especially for things like concepts and statistics that are quite counterintuitive she's got really good examples that help you just really understand how things work or just sort of highlighting subtle differences that are difficult to grasp so i recommend that as well thank you i think if i have an extra two people talking about cassie on twitter i'm definitely going to go and download the twitter <laughs> app <laughs> thank you for joining me on the podcast today it was so informative and such a real pleasure to have you Thank you so much for having us. Thank you, Karen. Thank you for listening to the Women in Data podcast. We will be back in a couple of weeks with a new guest. Until then, if you have two minutes, it would be great if you could leave us a rating or a review as it helps not only to make the podcast more visible, but also to enhance the content. If you don't want to miss the next episode, follow us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. We are also on LinkedIn. And if you wish to, you can even register to the community for free. All you have to do is head to womenindata.co.uk. Have a great day.